Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2, and today I'll be talking about the stuff that happened in wrestling for this week. I'll be covering Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. But before I get into all of that, I would like to say this, and I want this to be heard plain and clear. CM Punk is gone from AEW. You're going to hear rumors and speculations every which way. I want people to stop having this divide from the AEW fan base, from the CM Punk fans to the elite fans. This thing is stupid. You don't know people. You don't know the wrestlers. You only know what you see on television. You only know what you see from the YouTube uh, videos, from being the elite sketches. You don't know these people in real life unless you are a wrestler backstage that actually works with them. If you are just a person that happens to watch the show, you do not know these people. You can have your favorites. You can have your opinions about your favorites. That's all you can do. But let me say this. It does not give you the right to harass someone else that is having a different opinion than you. I saw a lot of that from the elite fans going after the punk fans, the punk fans going after the elite fans, punk fans going after AEW, AEW fans going after the punk fans. I mean, it was so stupid. It was tribalism at its highest. And you know what's the real bad part about it? AEW is a company that we as the fans, we want to thrive. Because if AEW doesn't thrive, guess what? We're stuck with WWE all over again. And people will be bitching and moaning and complaining. And WWE will be stuck in the exact same place that it was when they bought WCW and ECW. It will be stuck in monotony. Yes, it will have some great years. But boy, oh boy, it will have some real, real crappy years that we've all had to sit through. Because we wanted a second big company. So again, quit the crap. Coming together, just watch AEW. If you don't like AEW and you're mad that CM Punk's gone, cool. Be mad. Don't tune it into AEW, but don't be crapping on the product at the exact same time. Don't do that. Trust me. You want to have another company. Everybody has said it. All the wrestlers have said it. They said that if you're in WWE, they root for AEW. If you're in AEW, they root for WWE. All the wrestlers have said this. MGF has said it, Soraya has said this, Seth Rollins has mentioned this on separate podcasts talking about the wrestling business is doing great because of another company selling out Wembley and WWE just sold out on uh, WrestleMania. I mean, God, wrestlers are good. It's always just the stupid P-knuckle fans that are just constantly just doing this back and forth tribalism crap. Quit it. Again, you do not want one monopoly in this world, especially the small niche of a world, especially with WWE and UFC merging together. You don't want it. Let AEW thrive. Come together, build up AEW, and I understand, again, Punk's out. People will be relishing in it. People are sad in it. Just accept what is happening right now and call it a day and enjoy the product. And again, if you don't want to watch your product, Tune away. That's all I'm asking you guys to do. Don't harass nobody about their opinions. Just state your opinion and go about your business, okay? Now, with that PSA out of the way, let's start the show. So we start with Monday Night Raw. Raw will open up with Jay Uso coming down to the ring to address the reason why he left for a couple of weeks. And Jay will say that he got tired of beefing with his family week after week on live television. Jay will say thanks to Cody Rhodes. He's now on Monday Night Raw. And it's just him now. 
Jay will say that he knows he made um, some enemies of his past. And speaking of this, Sammy will come down to the ring. Sammy will tell Jay that he is right. There are a lot of people in the back that aren't happy to see Jay here. But Sammy's here in the ring and he wants to be the first to tell Jay straight to his face that he is happy that Jay is here. So Sammy will tell Jay that he is happy, Jay is free, and that he's proud of Jay. Sammy would extend his hand out to Jay for Jay to shake it, but Jay would just stare at Sammy. Sammy would get the hint and would tell Jay that, listen, whenever you're ready to talk, I'm here. And as Sammy was about to leave the ring, Jay would tell Sammy that wasn't really oozy of him. So Sammy would get back in the ring and Sammy would hug Jay. Jay would hug Sammy back. And it's real good because you got to see the story be brought back once again of Sammy and Jay's time, both of their time in the bloodline. So we have that moment here. And Sammy and Jay Uso will leave the ring. And as they're walking up the ramp, Drew McIntyre will come out. Drew's uh just stares at Jay, and you have a stare down between Drew and Jay. Sammy would come in between them and he would tell Drew that this is Jay's first night back, cut him some slack. So Drew McIntyre will walk to the ring. Then Matt Riddle will come out. Now you have a stare down between Riddle and Jay. And Sammy again will have to play Peacemaker and Riddle would walk down to the ring. Now, it's funny that they had Drew and Riddle come out because Drew and Riddle are literally like the first guys that the bloodline were constantly screwing over with Riddle and uh, Randy when they were RK-Bro with the tag team titles, Drew McIntyre last year whenever he was on the SmackDown brand. I mean, they were just constantly screwing those two guys over. So for Drew and Riddle to be the first guys for... Jay to really see face to face when he talked about he has enemies in the back that's not happy to see him. It was a uh, that was the right two people to really pick. Now, after this, we get to our 10 8 tag match of Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle going against the Viking Raiders with Valhalla in their corner. The Viking Raiders would win this match by pinfall, thanks in part to Kofi Kingston uh, hitting Matt Riddle by accident. When the Viking Raiders were going to hit Ragnarok on Riddle and put him through a table, Kofi would run down to the ring and attack the Vikings. Now, Kofi would look to hit Trouble in Paradise on Ivar as Riddle's holding up Ivar. Ivar would duck it and Riddle would eat Trouble in Paradise. Now, Kofi will look in shock that he hit Riddle and this will allow the Vikings to grab Kofi up and use him as a dart and throw him into Drew. The Vikings would then pick up Riddle and hit him with Ragnarok through the table and cover him for the win. So, now we have some beef brewing between Drew and Kofi because later in the night, you see Drew just calling for Kofi backstage. Riddle would have to walk up on Drew and tell him that, hey, man, it's cool. Kofi didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. Drew's not trying to hear all that because he's kind of getting fed up of everything just going smooth and everybody just constantly thinking everything's not like everything's OK when it's not. He says that Jay's here. He doesn't like it. He knows that Jay's going to screw up, and when he does, he's going to take care of the person that brought him here, and he's going to take care of Cody. So we are going to see Drew and Cody going down a pipeline. And he mentions the Kofi deal, and that's when Kofi would pop up. Kofi, again, would be apologetic to Riddle, and Drew would tell Kofi that he doesn't feel that that was by accident. And he mentions how last week, when Drew threw a chair at uh, Xavier last week, he feels that Kofi's doing this on purpose because of that accident. And Kofi says, nope, I'm not doing any of that. It seems that like you're the only person that actually can make mistakes here. Drew would say, you know what? Fine. Listen, 
there's not going to be too many more mistakes around here because I got my eye on you. And it's just Drew is starting to go into his villain phase here because Drew is starting to get tired. You can see that he's being fed up. Kofi would tell Riddle to go talk to your boy. So we're going to see that come to fruition more weeks go by with Drew starting to slowly turn more and more aggressive until he fully hits his full villain arc here. Now, next up, the World Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins will come down to the ring. Seth would be out here to Peacock about still being the World Heavyweight Champion after his match with Nakamura at Payback. And he would call out Nakamura once again because Nakamura did attack Seth Rollins after the Payback pay-per-view went off the air. So Nakamura would come out and he would stand on the stage. Seth would tell Nakamura that he would give him another shot at the World Heavyweight Championship right now because Seth just wants his hands on Nakamura. Nakamura would look intrigued by it, but Nakamura would talk in Japanese. Seth would say that he assumes Nak agreed to the match, but Nak would plainly say in English, no. So this would make Seth become incensed, and Seth would tell Nak that he's about to get this work. So Seth would leave the ring, go up to Nakamura, and now you have these two guys brawling on the stage and on the entrance ramp until security and Adam Pearce will come out to break it up. Seth would try to break away from security, but this will allow Nakamura to knee Seth in his already injured style back because Seth is wearing kinetic tape on his back. And Nakamura would place a couple more knees to the back of Seth until Ricochet will come out and make the save and pull Nakamura off of Seth. And this will lead to Ricochet going against Shinsuke Nakamura. And they will have their match literally after this. Ricochet would win this match by disqualification when Nakamura would hit Ricochet in the back with a steel chair. So after the match, Nak would get Ricochet in the ring, place a chair around Ricochet's neck, and as Nakamura was looking to hit the Kinshasa, Seth would run down to the ring to make the save and get at Nakamura once again. And just like earlier, again, this would not end well for Seth and his back because Nakamura would shove Seth back into the ring steps and Seth would just drop right there. So it seems this business between uh, Seth and Nakamura is not ending anytime soon. Um, they're going to continue along with this, and I'm glad they're playing more into the back injury here. Hopefully, when they do have their match again, Seth and Nakamura, we get more of Nakamura attacking Seth Rollins' back. Um, next up, they'll go backstage, and you'll see Rhea and Priest looking at the monitor, and they see Seth on the ground, and Rhea will tell Priest it's not the right time. So Priest doesn't cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase, and it seems that Rhea is really like the leader of the Judgment Day. And speaking of the Judgment Day, they will come out next. Judgment Day is all out here. They're all draped in gold. Uh, Priest and Finn, the new unified tag team champions. Dominic, the North American champion. Rhea, the women's world champion. And by the way, Damian Priest still senior money in the bank. So they're out here, the peacocking. Finn would like to thank everyone in the Judgment Day and even JD McDonough for him getting the world uh, tag team titles here and Finn would say that he is now a Grand Slam champion because he's a former Universal Champion, Intercontinental Champion, US Champion, and now Tag Team Champion. Rhea would say that she is happy for Finn and Priest that they stepped up to the plate and got the job done. Rhea would make mention that she is upset at the fact that people are talking more about Jey Uso coming to Raw and the Bloodline instead of them. Rhea would say that the Bloodline has fallen and that the Judgment Day has risen. Priest was about to say something, but then J.D. Medina will come out, and he's holding something, but you can't see it because it's covered in, like, a black, like, veil. Uh, Priest would tell J.D. that 
he just starting to like him. And whatever he is out here to say, it better be good. JD would say that he is because he's out here because of what Rhea said last week about there needs to be changes in the Judgment Day. Now, automatically you think we're going to get some beef between JD and Priest. And JD would even say that, Priest, you need to get rid of that briefcase. Now, this would add on to it, but JD would unveil another briefcase that he's holding in his hand. And it's a purple briefcase and it has senior money in the bank on it. So Damien Priest now is holding that purple briefcase and it seems that's Priest's new briefcase. Now, Priest would take the briefcase and he would actually appreciate JD doing this. Then Sami Zayn will come out and Sami will say that it took all five of them to take those tag titles off of him and Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens isn't here, but Sami wants to get a piece on the one person that basically cost them their tag team titles. And he says that he wants to face Dominic later in the night and he will challenge Dom. JD will step in and say that Dom isn't going to wrestle Sammy. Instead, it will be him. So JD is sticking his neck out for the Judgment Day yet again. So we would get that match between Sammy and JD McDonough later in the night. Now, next matchup was Shayna Baszler going against Zoe Starks. Shayna would win this match by referee stoppage by locking in the Coquina Clutch, or as they say, the Carafuda Clutch. And Zoe would try to fight out of it. Even she would try to hold her own, but it just wasn't enough. And Zoe would pass out. And after the match, Shayna will walk over to Zoe and give her a fist bump. So Shayna and Zoe have a newfound a level of respect between each other because they both went through uh, people that are more famous than them, and they came out better on the other end. Shayna with Ronda and Zoe with Trish. So as I said, they have a newfound respect for each other after basically brawling with each other here. Now, next matchup, Raquel Rodriguez going against one half of the women's tag team champions, Chelsea Green. Raquel would win this match by pinfall by hitting the Tejano bomb. After the match, Raquel will let everyone know that she is going to get a Women's World Championship rematch against Rhea next week and that Dom will be barred from ringside. So we have that scheduled for next week. Next up, Miz TV. And Miz will come out here. He says he has a special guest and it will be John Cena. However, it really wasn't John because it was just the air. They would play up the whole you can't see me act that John Cena has been doing for years. Miz would do it and the crowd would boo because they thought we were really going to see John here. Miz would uh, ask John the air questions and the fans would do the whole yeah deal. Uh, Miz would tell the crowd, don't say yeah. As a matter of fact, say yes. And then Miz quickly Realize what he just said, and he would tell the crowd, instead of saying yes, how about you guys just nod your head? Because Miz remembered the whole Brian Daniels and Daniel Bryan yes movement and the whole their whole rivalry that they had. So we are getting that between these two guys. And just to see Miz remember that, that was a good moment here. Um, anywho, we starting to see the spiral of Miz. Miz is upset that he lost to LA Knight at payback, and he feels that John Cena had something to do with it. So you see Miz fight the air and even hit the Skull Crush finale on the air before making a challenge or a rematch to LA Knight. No special guest referees, just a simple one-on-one match between those two. And that's where the Miz TV would end. Now, we would get to Sami Zayn versus JD McDonough. JD McDonough would win this match by pinfall thanks to interference from Dominic Mysterio. When Sami Zayn was going to hit JD with a Haluva kick, Dominic would appear and he would grab JD and drag him out of the ring. Sammy would then go after JD, and Dom would then get on the apron, and 
Sammy will take a swing at Dom. Dom will drop down. This allowed JD to grab Sammy and roll him up and hold on to the tights to win the matchup. Now, after the match, JD would leave the ring and start walking up the ramp. Sammy would see uh, Dominic right at the commentary table, and Sammy would go after Dominic. And he would get Dom in the ring. He would hit him with an exploder suplex. He would look to hit Dom with the Haluva kick, but then you see JD repay the favor. He grabs uh, Sammy out of the ring and throws him into the steel steps. JD would then get in the ring, tell Dom to leave the ring and to go to the back. Dom would, and now you see Sammy get up. He beats up on JD. He is on a splitter suplex, and then he will hit JD with the Haluva kick, and that's how this segment will end. Now we will go to the back. And there's two things that happen. One, Adam Pierce would tell Jey Uso that, listen, I want to give you the heads up that I got a call from upper management and somebody from the Raw roster will be traded to SmackDown and that will make you and um that will make you more enemies. So I just want to give you the heads up. And also you will see Dominic walk over to Jay and he's trying to convince Jay that, hey, listen. I know what it's like to come from a dysfunctional family. I know what it's like to have a Hall of Famer dad. He's trying to connect with Jay Uso on some uh, very similar like family basis of wrestling. And he would try to convince Jay, of, listen, you don't have a lot of people here that's going to like you. You're not. But I used to be in your spot. And until Mommy and the Judgment Day took me in, I was just dead in the water. So Dom is extending his hand to Jay to join the Judgment Day. And Jay will listen. He doesn't give Dom an answer. And we're just left with that. Will Jay join the Judgment Day? I say no. But it's going to be nice and interesting to see how they flirt with the idea of Jay with the Judgment Day. It's going to be nice for the upcoming weeks to come. Now, we move over to the main event, the Intercontinental Championship match of Gunther going against Chad Gable. They gave this match a good solid, I'll say 25 minutes. So they gave them time to really wrestle in here. And in the end... Gunther, he would retain the Intercontinental Championship by hitting a variety of moves. He would hit a half-and-half half, uh, Nelson suplex. He would hit a powerbomb, and then he would hit uh, a stiff clothesline on Chad Gable to end Gable. And now Gunther will become the longest-reigning Intercontinental Champion. And this was a good match between Gable and Gunther. Um, the crowd was really into it, and by the end, when you saw Gunther actually beat Gable. You just saw people in the front row not happy because they thought this was going to be Gable's night to topple Gunther. Um, you had Gable's family and his kids there in the front row. And after the match, you saw uh, Gable's like kids cry. Uh, it was a real like saddening feeling, but Gunther is now the kind of champion. That's kind of what they wanted to do. They wanted to give everybody an idea that Gable could be the guy to dethrone Gunther, but it just didn't happen on Monday night. So with Gunther now being the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion, I expect him probably to lose the title within a month or two because, as I said before, he's already done what he had to do. And I think the next probable thing is for whenever he loses the title and when Seth is done with Nakamura, we're going to get Gunther going after that World Heavyweight Championship next and really doing work on Seth's back and beating him for the World Heavyweight Championship. But we'll have to wait for that when we get there. But with that, that's your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the week. And now we move over into NXT. And NXT would waste no time. They will open up with their NXT Women's Championship match. It will be the champion Tiffany Stratton going against the challenger Kiana James. 
Tiffany would retain her championship by pinfall when the referee would remove the purse that was introduced in this match earlier by Tiffany Stratton, and the ref would miss Tiffany raking the eyes of Kiana, and then this would allow Tiffany to hit the steamroller, then the prettiest moonsault ever to retain her championship. Now, after the match was over, Tiffany would be in the middle of the ring, raising up her championship. Then you would hear a voice calling out for Tiffany, and once Tiffany turned her head to the stage, it was Becky Lynch, but Becky is on the Titantron. Becky will tell Tiffany that next week in the main event of NXT, she will be there and she will be going against Tiffany Stratton for the NXT Women's Championship because that's the only championship that Becky has not held in the WWE. So she's going back to grab that championship. And as I said before, and I will continuously say it, having main roster talent go down to NXT will only prop up NXT and it gives them more experience, the talent to work with main roster players. So I'm glad to see a main roster high caliber star like Becky go over to NXT and give the Becky rub over to Tiffany. So we'll have to wait and see if Becky will be able to capture the one championship that she has not uh, been able to grab in her entire career in WWE next week. Or will uh, Tiffany still remain as champion? Now, next matchup, we'll have Ilya Dragunov going against Oro Mensa, who have Metaphor in his corner. Ilya would win the match by pinfall by hitting the torpedo headbutt. Now, after the match, you will see Wesley come down to the ring with a microphone, and Wes will tell Ilya that Ilya will have to wait his turn because Wes is getting the first crack at Melo for the NXT Championship because Wes can't get over the fact that he came so close to beating Carmelo Hayes at NXT Heatwave. Ilya will tell Wes that isn't going to happen. He's going to get the first shot at Melo's championship and that he will rip off anyone's head that gets in his way. Then the NXT champion, Carmelo Hayes, will come down to the ring and he would mention the conversation that he had with Shawn Michaels last week. And Melo would announce that per Shawn Michaels, it will be Wesley going against Ilya Dragunov next week on NXT. And the winner will face Carmelo for the NXT championship at no mercy. Now, on to the next match. Global Heritage uh, Invitational, it will be Duke Hudson and Nathan Frazier going against one another. This is Nathan Frazier's second match up here, and this is Duke's second match. And Nathan would win the match by pinfall, hitting the Phoenix Splash. Now, everyone in Group B has two points except Akira Tozawa, which means Joe Coffey has two points, Nathan Frazier now has two points, Duke Cousin has two points, Akira Tozawa, a big fat goose egg. Now, next match up, Tyler Bate going against Tabakato. Tyler Bate would win this match by pinfall, hitting an airplane spin, then a spiral tap for the win. So hopefully now that this match is over, this rivalry is over between Tyler Bate and Dabakato. It might not be next week. Uh, we might see Dabakato run into Tyler Bate's match with Axiom in the Global Heritage Invitational. We'll just have to uh, wait and see what will happen. Now, on to a number one contender's match for the North American Championship. And it's a special guest referee match as well. Is Mustafa Ali going against Dragon Lee with Dominic Mysterio, the North American champion, as the referee? And I will say this, Dominic, he actually kept everything right down the line. He was able to be an impartial judge, an impartial ref, until the end of the match where uh, Dragon Lee would hit a high-elevated powerbomb on Mustafa Ali, and Dominic would count the one, two, Mustafa would kick out, Dragon Lee would get in Dom's face and say that was a three, which it wasn't. And then you see Mustafa get Dragon Lee in a roll-up, and Dominic would make the fast three count, one, two, three. And now Mustafa will be facing Dominic at no mercy. 
Now, after the match, Mustafa Ali would get his hand raised by Dominic, and he's starting to realize exactly what happened. He would turn over to Dom, and then he would, like, deck him in the face, and then he would leave, and that's it. Um, This match between Mustafa Ali and Dragon Lee, it was a great match for NXT. It was real fast-paced between both of them, and I will say that Mustafa Ali is a guy that's able to do everything. He's able to be the speed guy. He's able to be the guy for springboards. He's able to be the powerhouse guy if you need him to do that. And he was able to do two buckshot lariats legitimately. He was able to do one off of the uh, commentary table, and he was able to do one off of the top turnbuckle. So seeing Mustafa Ali doing the buckshot lariat twice, it just shows that he really can do everything. Because the buckshot lariat, that's a difficult move, man. You got to have some real uh, accuracy. You got to be able to stabilize your feet properly when you hit that front flip and then drop down on your feet, then hit the clothesline. I mean, it is a real uh, quickly style move that you got to be precise with. And seeing Mustafa Ali not executed, not just once, but twice. Yeah, he's that guy. Next matchup, another great, brilliant match on NXT is for the Global Heritage Invitational. And it's in Group A. We have Butch going against Axiom. And this match will end in a draw. Now, they fought for the whole 12 minutes. So that's what the draw is here. And now both men are given one point each. So now in Group A, we have Butch with three points, Axiom with one point. Hopefully Axiom will be able to make that up because Axiom will be going against Tyler Bate next week. Um, as I said earlier, Butch and Axiom, they had a great match. They fought legitimately for the whole 12 minutes. You got the old version of Pete Dunn here in Butch from his furry jacket to him doing the snapping of the fingers to him literally doing joint manipulation. And you got a more aggression style of Axiom here because he knew he was going against Butch. So he knew he had to be aggressive. And we got that. And Man, I hope we get Butch going against Axie one more time because I'll tell you, if you're able to watch that match in this legitimately just 12 minutes of your time, go watch it and I guarantee you, you will actually enjoy yourself watching that match. Now, next matchup will be Gigi Dolan going against Thea Hale with JCJ in her corner because Thea is trying to get away from Chase U. She's trying to get away from that uh, scrappy dude type of character that she's been portraying as she's in Chase U that always nonstop ready to just get at anyone. And JC, she's trying to help get Thea out of that. So right here, we start to see the beginning of it. Um, Thea would win the match by submission, thanks to the interference of JC and Blair Davenport. When Gigi Dolan and Thea Hale were fighting outside of the ring, and Gigi would hit Thea with an STO, then Gigi would throw Thea back into the ring. JC would then decide to get on the ring apron to distract the referee, and this allowed Blair Davenport to run down to the ring and attack the arm of Gigi that was already uh, getting worked on by Thea earlier in the match. And then you'll see Blair throw Gigi into the ring. Thea would then lock in the Kimura lock on Gigi, and Gigi would tap out. Thea Hill has no idea that Blair was out here, so we could probably see Blair talking to JC and Thea Hill next week, and this could probably be their new little three-woman uh, unit I'm not certain if they're going to do that next week. I'm just saying that's a possibility. Seeing JC with Blair Davenport, I don't think that's a wrong look, to be honest. I think that'll be a right look. But again, we'll have to wait and see uh, what will happen. Now we move over to our main event. It is Braun Breaker going against Von Wagner. Von Wagner would have Mr. Stone in his corner. This is a no disqualification matchup here. 
Braun Breaker would win the match by pinfall when he would hit uh, a spear on Von Wagner after hitting Von with a low blow to win the match. This was a solid no disqualification match here. You only saw Von and Braun use uh, not trash cans, God, uh, kendo sticks and steel chairs. Um, Von Wagner, he did put Braun Breaker through the commentary table, so you did get your table smashing in this uh, matchup here, as well as you got Von Wagner throwing uh, Braun into the NXT perch that has, like, the covering over it that Braun usually just, like, spears people through, but this time Braun got just, like, threw into by uh, Von Wagner. And, again, this was a solid, just no disqualification matchup between both two big guys just beating the ever-loving piss out of one another. Now, after the match was done, you saw Von Wagner uh, leaning towards the bottom rope. Braun Breaker would hit Von in the back with a steel chair, and Von would roll out of the ring. Braun would continue going after Von with a steel chair, just hitting him in the gut and then uh, throwing him into the steel steps. Then you see uh, Braun take one half of the steel steps and bring it it on top of Vaughn's head and lifting it up as Vaughn's head's already on the bottom step and the NXT TV would go black as you see Braun Breaker just like swinging it down and you heard it make a thudding noise so they're making you believe that Braun Breaker hit Vaughn's head and basically cracked it open because they're playing into Von Wagner's earlier childhood in which he had his Head gets surgery open up on, so we're gonna have to wait and see how Braun Breaker is going to come out as a bigger major villain next week. See who's going to try to basically go after Braun for uh, Vaughn's retribution, and more likely probably Mr. Stone. And Mr. Stone probably recruit another person, but I can just see Mr. Stone going after Braun Breaker next week. And Baron Corbin, he was out there watching all this. He'll probably help out Braun to take out Mr. Stone next week. Again, I'm just spitballing all of this, but we'll have to wait and see what happens next week on NXT. But with that, that's your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we move over into AEW Dynamite. Now, this was a Dynamite after their event that they just had at All Out. So Dynamite would open up with the former international champion, Orange Cassidy. He has his hand bandaged up. He has a bandage on his head. Um, Orange Cassidy would get in the ring. The fans would chant, thank you, Orange. Orange would just allow the fans to cheer it. Orange would thank the fans back in return. Orange would say that management told him to stay at home, but Orange has elected to be here, and he says that he will be here every single week. And Orange Cassidy would then leave the ring. So once he leaves the ring, start walking up the ramp, Orange would stop at the ramp, when he hears John Moxley's music hit, because it's time for our first match of the night. The International Championship will be defended with a newly crowned champion. John Moxley defends the title against A.R. Fox. John Moxley would have Claudio Castagnoli in his corner, but Claudio would not play any part in this match. Moxley would win this match fair up, and he would retain the International Championship by pinfall by hitting a King Kong Lariat, then the Death Rider for the win. Now, after the match, Darby Allen would come down to the ring and start patting A.R. Fox on the back and try to get the fans to cheer for Fox for his effort against Moxley here. Then you will see on the screen, you will see Nick Wayne watching backstage at Darby and Fox in the ring. And Christian will walk up to Nick Wayne. 
And Christian is here to try to recruit Nick Wayne to basically be under Christian's wing, which is weird when you think about it, because Christian has this whole deal with talking crap about people's fathers who pass. And he did that here with Nick Wayne, too. He talked about how he saw Nick Wayne's father wrestle. He had to go back and watch it. And he still said that his father sucked, but he sees some potential in Nick Wayne. So he wants to put him underneath his wing. Again, it'll be a real interesting uh Scenario if Christian does get Nick Wayne underneath his wing, but we'll have to wait and see because this would not be the last time we would see Christian uh, circling around Nick Wayne because Nick Wayne will be going against Darby Allen in the main event and they're a part of the World Championship Eliminated Tournament. Uh, but I'll get more into that when the main event comes around. Now, the second match of the night will be the TBS Championship be defended. Champion Chris Statlander going against Emi Sakura. Chris will retain her championship by pinfall by hitting the Wednesday Night Fever. So Chris is doing the whole defending the championship as much as he can. This was an open challenge. Hopefully we get more of those on Dynamite. But again, we'll have to wait and see what will happen. Also, I will be remiss if I didn't say we got one hell of a promo from Ricky Starks. And he talked about how he has to constantly go through curveballs and he constantly just hits him out of the park. And he mentions the Brian Danielson one because they will show highlights of him and Brian in a strap match that happened at All Out. And Ricky would make this known right now that he wants a bigger piece. He doesn't want to just constantly just be thrown into things. No, he wants to be a main focal point. Because if he's not a main focal point, when his time is over here, he doesn't want people to try to talk to him because he's not coming back. So that's kind of a warning shot from Ricky to AEW management, if I've ever heard one before. Now, next up, we have the Sex Gods, which is Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara going against Ozzy Open. Don Callis will be on commentary for this. The Sex Gods would win the match by pinfall when Jericho would hit a Judas effect on Kyle Fletcher to win the match. Now, after the match, you will get some problems between Sammy and Jericho because as Jericho is getting his arm raised up by the ref, Jericho would grab Sammy's arm and raise it up. Sammy would push Jericho because there would be some mistiming and miscommunication between Jericho and Sammy during the match. There was one in particular where Ozzy Open and Sammy Guevara was outside in the ring, and Sammy's holding Ozzy Open so Jericho can hit a crossbody on them. But when Jericho hits a crossbody, Ozzy Open would move out of the way, and Jericho would land on Sammy. So Sammy has a bad taste in his mouth, and I think he's still thinking about Jericho, still thinking about himself. So you would see Sammy push Jericho. Jericho would try to calm Sammy down, but Sammy wouldn't hear it, so Jericho would get pushed by Sammy again. Now this time Jericho will push back, and now we get a pushing contest between Jericho and Sammy until referees and backstage personnel will come down to the ring to separate both of the men. And once Sammy leaves the ring, he will actually leave through the crowd and start walking to the back. And Don Callis will leave to go to the back. We don't see Don and Sammy have any interactions here, but my big plan is I think they're going to recruit Sammy into Don Callis' family. Because look what Don Callis has done for the people that's underneath his wings. Takesha, he has beaten Kenny Omega twice now. Once at All In and once at All Out. Will Ospreay, he has beaten Kenny Omega at Forbidden Door. And he has beaten Chris Jericho at All In. So with both Will Ospreay and Takesha doing good under Don Callis' arms, I could see Don Callis trying to take Sammy away from... Jericho and having Sammy be a part of his family because he can do big things for Sammy. So again, that's just me thinking this. Also, next week we will know who uh, Don Callis has in mind for Takesha to go against next. 
So we have to wait and see what happens next week because that still could be part of the whole plan right there. So we'll wait and see. Now, next up will be the MJF uh, segment. MJF will come down to the ring and MJF will talk about All Out retaining the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. Then MJF will talk about wrestling at Grand Slam for the AEW World Championship while defending it against the winner of the World Title Eliminator Tournament. Then he will turn his attention to talk about Samoa Joe. But you can't mention Samoa Joe without Samoa Joe coming down to the ring and basically being there. So Joe will come out. Joe will be in the ring with MJF. And at first you will get a quick little back and forth between MJF and Samoa Joe. A quick wits of just joking with one another before it turned to serious business. And MJF would talk to Samoa Joe about his previous experience with Joe. And Joe will have something to retort with that after MGF got done. So I'm about to play you it so you guys can listen to it. Back when I was 19 years old, I had a tryout in Brooklyn for the WWE. And as you people would imagine, I knocked it out of the goddamn park because I'm that damn good. I then get pulled to the side by a certain individual you people all remember and Joe, you know very well. Name William, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, named William Regal. And we know the story, he pulled me to the side, he said he would assign me, but I was too young. He told me to send him an email once a month so he could track my progress, and as we all know, he blew me off. And we all know how that story ended. I knocked his British ass out, and I sent him packing back to NXT, where he belongs. And funny enough, Joe, if you play your cards right, you're next. Now, later on that evening, I was informed of an opportunity that I would get to be a security guard and walk, let's face it, a wrestling legend down to the ring. Somebody I studied, someone I looked up to, I was going to meet the most diabolical the most despicable, the most dangerous monster in the history of professional wrestling, the great Samoa Joe. But what did you do, Joe? What did the great Samoa Joe do? You decided to take a 19-year-old kid who was just trying to do his job, and you shoved me into a brick wall and you laughed. And let's be honest, Joe, I know why you did that because I know how scumbags think matter of fact I know how scumbags think because I'm their scumbag you did it because I was a kid you did it because you knew you could get away with it well guess what Joe I'm not a kid anymore the boy's full grown I am a generational talent I am the AEW World Champion! I am the best wrestler on God's green earth! And I am the man who headlined the most historic pay-per-view of all time! I am MJF! Joey, if I were you, I'd stay out of my way or else I am going to kill you. That was a point beautifully made. Except there's one problem with it. And it's that you would think that I just think that you're a kid, that you are diminutive, that I thought of you in just that sense. I didn't think of you as a kid when I pushed you. I didn't think of you as somebody that I couldn't do whatever I wanted to when I shoved you into that wall. You know what I thought about you? 
I didn't think you were a kid, Max. I thought you were a little bitch. Now, when Joe said that to MJF, MJF would get perturbed at this. He would take off his dynamite diamond ring and he would slap Samoa Joe across the face. Joe would tell MJF that he's not going to stoop to MJF's level. He's not going to get upset. That will ruin his chances to go after MJF for the world title. He tells MJF point blank, I'm going to win this world title eliminator tournament and I will face you at Grand Slam and I will take the title off of you. But for now, I'm going to let you have a free pass and leave the ring. Now, Joe would move away from the ropes. MJF would look back at Joe because he doesn't trust him, but he still would try to leave the ring. As soon as MJF's body is in between the ropes, Joe would kick the middle ropes, and now you have Joe putting the boots to MJF. He would then take the title off MJF, lift it up in the air. MJF, being who he is, he would low blow someone Joe right in the nuts. So... Now you got MJF going to work on Joe. He starts biting him in the forehead, get him in the corner, start kicking him in the stomach now. And MJF would like rally up and start tearing his shirt. Then he'll run over to Samoa Joe and then Joe would hit him with the Uranage. Now, Joe would look to hit this uh, muscle buster on MJF, but Adam Cole would run down to the ring with the Ring of Honor Tag Team title and Joe would roll out. And you see Joe start walking up the ramp. He's smiling at the devastation that he did to MJF because now MJF is holding his neck. Adam's looking after MJF. You got the medics going down there to look at MJF. And now you see MJF and Adam Cole uh, go up the ramp. And as they're doing so, Roderick Strong comes out because Roderick Strong has a match against Trent next in the uh, tournament. Roddy's looking at Adam and he's just starting to get at Adam because Adam, again, is worried more about MGF's neck than Roderick Strong's neck. So you have this moment with Roddy and Adam, and Roddy is still going after Adam for catering to MGF more than him. The kingdom who's behind Roddy would tell Adam the exact same thing. Yo, you're taking after MGF instead of Roddy, and MGF would just go to the back. Adams say, you know what? I got to go deal with MGF. He's has a hurt neck. I got to go. So... That'll be the end of that. Roddy has his match out here with Trent. Roddy beats Trent with the end of heartache. And I will say, Roddy and Trent, they had a good back and forth at points. They were trying to really hurt one another with certain uh, moves that looks like it was targeting the neck because both of them, commentary did point out that both of them have neck issues. So they were trying to really like bust up each other in the neck region to see who would be the first to give out. But it'll be Roddy to win. So Roddy now advances in the world title eliminator tournament. Now, next up will be Hangman Page. Hangman Page will come out, and Hangman Page will talk about donating the $50,000 that he won from the Battle Royal on the pre-show of All Out and donating to the Chicago Public School Fund because Hangman Page is a former teacher himself, so he wants to give back. Then, all of a sudden, Swerve Strickland and Prince Nana will come down to the ring, and Swerve would give Hangman Page some tough love, if you will. When... All Elite Wrestling started up. You, Hangman, were the cornerstone of this company. They helped build all this around you. You were handpicked from the hierarchy of All Elite Wrestling to be the franchise player. And look what you've done. you become a former AEW World Tag Team Champion. All the way to being an AEW World Champion. <laughs> to setting box office records time and time again, all the way leading up to All In an attendance record in London Wembley Stadium off of your back. So now, 
I'm looking at you in pre-shows. It seems like you lost your confidence or you lost your spot or the fact that you don't even want it anymore. <laughs> I made some observations myself. The fact that you haven't gotten any new wrestling gear in almost a year now. <laughs> Hell, you haven't gotten any new merchandise on the website in almost a year. <laughs> you got a whole new contract extension, so you've been eating good. Oh yeah, it's been showing. You don't have singles matches on Dynamite. You don't have singles promos on Dynamite anymore. You don't even have, you don't even have title match matches anymore. You don't even have that anymore. So what's going on? Oh, I know what you did. You took a backseat to the elite so they can ride <laughs> driver and you can sit in the back because you've gotten comfortable. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, you've been handed a silver platter. If I would have got the opportunities that you've gotten a year ago, I'd be the first black AEW world champion by now. So I'm gonna leave you with this. Option A, you ride off in the sunset like them cowboy movies you used to watch as a little baby. <laughs> Go off in the sunset, let that contract fizzle out right next to your career, whether it be in catering or whether it be on your house on the farm, I don't care where it is. It doesn't matter. Move out of the way and let me take that slot that you don't want. <laughs> and I'll turn AEW into whose house? Or option B, you pony up, you man up, you cowboy up, you do whatever you have to do to find that little spirit inside of you, that fire. Get that motivation, get that confidence. Show me, show these people, show yourself what cowboy shit is all about. So Swerve would say this to Hangman. Hangman would look at Swerve and he would leave the ring and... Swerve would then say, look at you, you're running away from again. Looks like your wife and kids are going to have to see their dad and their husband run away from more responsibilities. Now, Hangman would hear this, he would go back into the ring, and now you see that Hangman's getting more in the face of Swerve. And this was all a setup because Brian Cage would attack Hangman Page from behind. They hit him with a drill claw, and they would leave Hangman Page just laid out. So it seems we get a rivalry between Swerve and Heyman Page, and I'm glad for it because Swerve is in need of a rivalry. For the love of God, he's on the mountain. He's starting to climb. Well, you see it. It's been happening basically almost, I will say, since Double or Nothing, he's been climbing up when he had that match with Orange Cassidy. Then after that, he starts to climb up, and he just had that uh, match at All In, which was a big uh, match for Swerve. Because it was Swerve and Christian going against Sting and Darby at Wembley. So Swerve, again, he's climbing up the mountain as clear as day. You can see that hopefully management has a spot for Swerve on the main roster card. Like at the top echelon. But again, time will have to wait and see and tell. And Hangman Page, he's finally has a one-on-one -on -one rivalry. The last rivalry that they had was one-on-one -on -one was what John Moxley at the beginning of the year. So it's good for both men to have this. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Now, off to the main event, World Championship Eliminator Tournament. It'll be Darby Allen going against Nick Wayne, and Christian Cage and Luchasaurus will come out. They'll be on commentary towards the middle of this match here. And Darby, he would win, and he would proceed more into the tournament by making Nick Wayne tap out when Darby would have Nick Wayne's arms, like, in a pretzel-esque, like, submission. Like, his arms are in the air. Darby clasps his arms, and you could just see, like, Nick's like uh, shoulders like messing around. I mean, it was a different style of uh, submission. And also in the like during so, Darby's kicking Nick in the head as he's applying pressure. 
So Nick would have to like nod his head to the referee saying that he gives. So Nick Wayne would submit. Darby moves forward and Darby will be going against Roderick Strong on collision. And that was your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we move over into Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling will start off with Deanna Peraza going against Danny Luna. Deanna Peraza would win the match by submission by applying the armbar on Danny for the win. Solid match to open up Impact. This was a match for Deanna to get some momentum. Asher will be going against the returning Jordan Grace at Victory Road. The next matchup would be a tag team match. It is Champagne Singh and Shira going against the newly formed team of Joe Hendry and Yuya Uramura. Their team collectively is known as Joya. So you have this newly found team Joya win the match by pinfall by hitting the one-hit wonder, which is a assisted cutter. And I'm gonna say this again because I've said this when Joe Hendry like debuted on Impact. Joe Hendry is nothing but WWE sports entertainment, full-blooded through and through. This guy made a entrance theme. For himself and Yuya Yurimura to come out and Yuya Yurimura and Joe Henry had a whole little mini dance number to go along with the song. And it even got the fans to participate in it. I'm saying this again. If you know who Joe Henry is and you look at his independent stuff for him doing parodies for the wrestlers that he's going against. Joe Henry is literally entertainment, WWE, full blood, legit through and through. I wouldn't be surprised that somebody in WWE is probably watching Impact Wrestling, one, because Trinity's there, but two, they're going to look at Impact Wrestling now, and they're probably going to see Joe Hendry, and they're probably going to keep their eye on Joe Hendry, because he's a guy that they could use on their inter- on their uh, television to be the entertainment standard. Just imagine Joe Hendry having a little uh, segment with a Chad Gable, or if they wanted to throw him in there with someone like a Cody, and you can see Joe Hendry making parody music videos of Cody or even of The Miz, or if you want to get just for all, like, craps and funny and giggles, Roman Reigns. And people might say, why would you want to put Roman Reigns in that situation? Why not? You can even get Roman Reigns to pop and, like, laugh at the situation the same way that you had Roman laugh at Usi last year. So, again, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Henry goes over to WWE after his contract's up with Impact. I will be surprised if he doesn't, to be completely honest. But, again, solid tag team matchup. But I did want to highlight that part because Joe Hendry, he is WWE Entertainment full-blown through and through when I looked at him and Yuya Yorimura's, like, team entrance here. Now, next matchup will be another tag team match. Subculture going against Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan. Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan would win the match by pinfall by hitting a Death Valley driver, then a 450 splash on Mark Andrews for the win. Now the next matchup would be Leo Rush going against Kevin Knight. Leo Rush would win the match by pinfall by hitting the final hour, which is a frog splash. After the match, and I mean immediately after the match, Leo Rush would start beating up on Kevin Knight and even at one point lock in the hoverboard lock, which is a Kimura lock. And he does this as a shot towards Kushida because Kevin Knight and Kushida are good uh, pals. So once... Leo Rush does this. Kushida would run down to the ring and he would get into a brawl with Leo. Kushida would even attempt to lock in the hoverboard lock, but Leo Rush would escape his hold and then leave out of the ring. As this is just to build up 
some momentum into their matchup between Leo and Kushida at Victory Road for the X Division Championship. Now, next up will be a contract signing between the Impact Knockouts Champion Trinity going against her challenger, Alicia Edwards. And Alicia will have Eddie Edwards in her corner being her hype man. And this is the first time I've seen Eddie actually just cut loose. All other times, he's usually the guy being in the spotlight, doing all the talking, and Alicia is usually in the back. But this time, we reverse it because Alicia is getting a championship opportunity against Trinity. And the main thing to come out of this contract signing is Eddie Edwards, he would put Trinity through the table. Towards the end of this confrontation, as you know, a contract signing, somebody got to usually go through a table. Uh, you have Alicia throw a drink into Trinity's face. Trinity would kick Alicia in the head, drag her over the table, start beating her up. Eddie Edwards would uh, come behind Trinity when Trinity looks to powerbomb Alicia. He would grab Trinity from behind, allowing Alicia to move away from Trinity. And Alicia would tell Eddie to put Naomi, sorry, Trinity, through the table. And Eddie would. He would hit her with a blue thunder bomb, and Trinity would smash through the table. Now, after this, you would see Alicia hold up the knockout championship, and then Frankie Kazarian would run down to the ring, and this would have Alicia and Eddie Edwards leave the ring. Now, I did not think they were going to put Trinity through the table. I didn't think Eddie was going to do it, but I got to remember, Impact Wrestling is different. You can get away with things like this. And also, AEW does the same thing, because in one of my like earlier reviews, I believe it was all in. I mentioned how Julia Hart, she's constantly getting put hands on by other uh, male talent. And now you're starting to see on Impact, dudes can do that too. So WWE is the only company. They're still going to wait for that prior time for that. Like who can they actually put, uh, allow to put hands on Rhea Ripley to do something to her. They're still waiting for that time, but just now to have impact in that conversation and say, okay, a man put their hands on a woman and actually smashed her through a table. All right, so impact, you're able to do that over there. And AEW, as I said, they're able to do it for as well, but we're still waiting on WWE because whenever somebody does it to Rhea, it's going to be big. But getting back to the point, Trinity gets smashed through a table. Alicia now has some momentum going into uh, Victory Road in her championship opportunity matchup. And now we go into the main event. Tag team match. PCO and Josh Alexander going against Steve Macklin and Bully Ray. Steve Macklin and Bully Ray would win the match by pinfall when Bully Ray would hit PCO with an uppercut when he tries to get in touch with the man, Carl Ouellette, not PCO the monster. Because this whole match was PCO trying to go after Bully and Bully's just afraid of PCO because he's put PCO through so much hell and PCO is not like letting go so bully would try to get in touch with the man not pco the monster and at one point you see bully just like extend his hand out to pco pco would grab bully by the throat macklin would come in and you would see pco let go of bully go after macklin and uh, the referee would be distracted by this pco would then get hit with a low blow by bully bully would then roll him up one, two, three. That's how PCO and Steve Macklin would get the win and cap off the main event for Impact Wrestling as they go into Victory Road. Now, side note here, I did not watch Victory Road. I will be watching it this weekend. Well, since you're hearing this today on Saturday or you're listening to it on Sunday, one of the two. 
I will be watching it this weekend and on uh, the next episode of Wrestling Highlights of the Week, I'll tell you how I felt about the Victory Road event. But yeah, with that being said, that was your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we go over into SmackDown, in which SmackDown would open up with Charlotte Flair and Shotzi going against Damage Control, who was represented by Bailey and the Women's Champion, EO Sky, and Dakota Kai would be in their corner. Shotzi and Charlotte would win the match by pinfall thanks to a distraction from Asuka. When Damage Control was in the control of this match towards the end of it, Asuka would appear from behind the Timeskeeper area and snatch the Women's Championship away from Dakota Kai. Now this would have Bailey and EO looking at Asuka and this would allow Charlotte to hit Bailey with a big boot off the top turnbuckle and then boot EO off the apron. Charlotte would then tag in Shotzi and Shotzi wouldn't deliver a DDT onto Bailey for the win. Now after the match, you would see Asuka get in the ring and have a stare down with EO. EO and Asuka would talk back and forth with each other. And then we would get a backstage uh, segment from both Asuka and EO separately. And this is just to confirm a match that's happening two weeks from now on SmackDown for the Women's Championship. It will be EO Sky defending her championship against Asuka. Now, next up, you will have L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight will come down to the ring, and Knight will talk about The Miz and Miz's performance that he had on Raw when he interviewed an invisible John Cena. Knight would say that he isn't here to play games. He's here to go to the top of the mountain, and if Miz wants to get his keister stomped out again, Knight will surely do it. So he says that Miz can get his rematch. Now, you will see Austin Theory and Grayson Waller come out on the stage, Grayson Waller and Theory, they would try to insult Knight the best that they can, but Knight would not bite. Instead, Knight would insult both of them. And then we would get to our next match of Austin Theory going against LA Knight. Grayson Waller at first would be on commentary, commentating, but towards the end of the match, as Theory's outside of the ring and Knight's outside of the ring, Grayson would get on the apron and remove a turnbuckle pad to exposing the steel. So he would see Theory and kind of make the eye contact to Theory to kind of like push LA Knight into the steel exposed turnbuckle. And this is what the end of the match would hinge on to. Who was going to hit the exposed turnbuckle? Nobody would. You would see Knight try to throw Theory into it. Theory would pump his brakes when the referee is close to the turnbuckle so he wouldn't hit the ref. So once he catches himself and stops himself... Knight would then grab Theory by the arm, turn him around, and hit him with the BFT, the Blunt Force Trauma, to win the match. Now, it was announced that Miz will be going against LA Knight next week on SmackDown, and we would get a backstage segment of Knight talking to Pierce to confirm this, but in the process of doing this, Knight would interrupt a meeting that Adam Pierce has with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman would tell Knight that he's a big fan of what he's doing, and at first, it seems like Knight and Paul are actually going to have a good conversation until Paul would turn it into and say, listen, next time you see the guy outside and they say that I'm having a conversation with Adam Pierce, you should listen to him and knock first. You got it? And then LA Knight will hit his yeah catchphrase and then give Paul a serious look. Paul will see it and then leave out of the area. Now, I'm going to say this because I'll be remiss if I didn't, 
it seems that the bloodline is starting to not crumble because we already know what's going down with that. It's kind of already crumbling as we all see it. But this episode of SmackDown, you'll be seeing bloodline catching a lot of strays because it seems that people are starting to come out of left and right to try to become the dominant uh, faction. And what I mean by that is this. You would have the Judgment Day coming on the show. Yeah, Damian Priest, Finn, and Dominic here. And before their match with the Brawling Brutes, Finn and Priest would talk up a big game saying how they're now the dominant group. They've done something that Roman Reigns and the Bloodline couldn't do. Take the titles off of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And it just seems that Judgment Day are starting to kind of tempt the waters with the Bloodline. Now, once that's what's said and done, you would get the Brawling Brutes to come out so they could have their match with the Judgment Day. And the Judgment Day would win that match by pinfall when Priest would hit Ridge with the South of Heaven choke slam, And then Priest would choke slam Butch on top of Ridge. This would allow Finn to then hit Ridge with the coup de grace for the win. And then after the match, another group would come out. You would have Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits come out. And they would get in the face of the Judgment Day. And Bobby would tell Priest that you got one thing right. The bloodline is crumbling, but it won't be the Judgment Day running things around here. It's going to be Bobby and the Street Profits. So you got Bobby and the Profits here. You got the Judgment Day here. You still got whatever is left of bloodline here. And it just seems that we're going to get like some gang warfare on SmackDown. And I'm here for it. And another group that seems that they're having some troubles is called the OC or the Club. Again, the OC is such a bad name in my opinion. I like the club way better since you can't say Bullet Club. The club, I'll deal with. Anywho, earlier in the night, AJ Styles would be confronted by Paul Heyman. And it seems that they're about to have a problem. Jimmy Uso would attack AJ Styles from the back, throw him into some equipment crates. And Jimmy would tell Paul, looks like I'm handling the AJ Styles problem. You go and handle the other problem. And he's talking about trying to get himself back into the bloodline, actually being in in with the bloodline instead of just being like a like associate. So Paul is now trying to work on that, and we would get more into that towards the main event because the main event will be AJ versus Jay Uso. But before I get to that, I forgot to mention AJ Styles will go over to the Good Brothers after the attack was done later in the night. And AJ would see them messing around backstage. And AJ is not happy. AJ would tell them, is this what we're doing? You guys see everything, right? So you guys saw me get attacked by Jimmy Uso, right? You guys weren't there to help me. So AJ's having problems with uh, Gallows and Anderson. Anderson would tell AJ point blank, listen, I told you not to get involved with that bloodline stuff. AJ would say, no matter if we were in the right or wrong, we always had each other's back. So it seems that, again, the club, they're having some dissension here. And they will not be around AJ for his main event because AJ told them to stay in the back. He doesn't need them if this is what's going to happen. So we will see if AJ actually did need them or not when the main event came around. Because during the main event of AJ going against Jimmy, it's at first AJ and Jimmy just by themselves. AJ's beating up on Jimmy and then Paul Heyman and Solo will come out. Now, Jimmy is starting to gain some confidence. He's starting to beat up on AJ. And at one point, you will see Jimmy try to tell Solo to attack AJ. And Solo wouldn't do it. Solo would just stare at Jimmy for a minute. And then he would turn his back on Jimmy. Jimmy would 
thing, try to go after AJ. AJ will hit Jimmy with a Insiguri. AJ will go over to Solo, hit him with a kick. This will startle Solo to the ground. And then you'll see AJ hit Jimmy with a phenomenal forearm to win the match. Now, after the match, Solo Sokoa will quickly get in the ring. AJ will quickly slide out of the ring. And he starts walking up the ramp. But the Judgment Day, which would consist of Damian Priest and Finn, not Dom, would attack AJ Styles from behind. They would attack him from behind, then throw him in the ring. And Solo will look at Finn and Priest. And you just see them both like extending their hand out and arm out like this is an offering to Solo to do what you want to do. Solo would take it. Solo would grab AJ and hit him with the Samoa Spike. And then that's how SmackDown would end. So as I said, it seems like we're about to get gang warfare. But it seems that now Judgment Day is trying to get on the good side of the bloodline after talking so much crap. But the Judgment Day knows that they're going to need like allies on their side because now they're technically top dog since the bloodline's kind of falling apart and they know that if they're top dog people are going to be coming after them like bobby and the prophets and also just in case the oc now since you just attacked aj we're gonna need people and why not have roman reigns the most dominant world champion in wwe's like history and solo sokoa a guy that's willing to just be militant and just do anything that roman needs him to do on your side also with a Jimmy Uso who's trying to get back in with the bloodline. Why not have them on your side whenever this whole big uh, explosion happens? But we'll have to wait and see what happens next week on SmackDown. And yeah, that'll be your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we move over to AEW Rampage. Rampage will open up with a World Championship Eliminator uh, matchup. You will have Penta going against Jay Lethal. Penta would win that match by pinfall when you would hit Fear Factor on Jay Lethal to win the match by pinfall. Now, next up, you will have Sammy Guevara come out to confront Chris Jericho, who's on commentary. The main gist of this is that Chris Jericho and Sammy, they have decided that they will uh, fight each other at AEW Grand Slam. And hopefully this will settle any type of confliction or confusion that they're having with one another. So they get that made and settled so now we have that match added on to grand slam and then we go over into our six woman tag match up here of Britt baker hukaru shida and sky blue going against taya valkyrie the bunny and anna j hukaru shida Britt baker and sky blue would win the match by submission when Britt baker would lock in the lockjaw on the bunny and have the bunny tap out now after the match Britt. And Hikarashita, they will talk a little bit. Hikarashita is feeling slighted by Britt Baker because Britt Baker accidentally uh, bumped Sheeta in the ring because she was pushed into Sheeta. Sheeta is not taking kindly to it, but Britt is trying to tell Sheeta we won the match. It's all okay. Even though they have a Fatal 4-Way match against each other next week on Dynamite to see who against to go against Rhea at uh grand slam so it seems that they're going into that and playing into it and Britt would uh put her fist out for uh Sheeta to bump it Sheeta would put some force into that bump and then quickly leave the ring so expect some spice into that fatal four-way match and probably Sheeta going after Britt Baker a lot in that also inside that fatal four-way match it would be Tony Storm Sheeta uh Nyla Rose and Britt Baker 
So those are your four competitors for the Fatal 4-Way match next week on Dynamite. Now, next matchup, a tag team matchup. The Young Bucks going against 2.0, who will have Jake Hager in their corner. And the Young Bucks would win this match by pinfall when they would hit the BTE trigger for the win. Now we move over into the main event, another World Championship Eliminator uh, matchup. You will have Samoa Joe going against Jeff Hardy. And Samoa Joe would win that match by submission by making Jeff Hardy tap out to the Coquina Clutch when he would reverse the twist of fate. Now with Samoa Joe winning this, we will have On Collision, which tonight, if you are listening to this on a Saturday, you will have Samoa Joe going against Penta in the World Championship Eliminators Tournament uh, semifinals. And then also on that exact same show, you'll have Darby Allen going against Roderick Strong. And the winners of those two matches will face off against one another on Dynamite the following week. So I'm calling it right now. I think Darby's going to beat Roddy, and I think Samoa Joe's going to beat uh, Penta. But Joe's beating Penta. That's happening. If we get Roddy versus Joe next week, that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be a fun match. But if we get Darby versus Joe, I think it's going to be a fun match as well. But I'm more interested if we get Roddy and Joe because that would be the true and true example of if Adam Cole really cares about Roderick Strong and his neck injuries. Because if Samoa Joe is able to lock in the Coquina Clutch or even come close to hitting the Muscle Buster, Adam Cole should run down there and throw the towel down and throw the towel into the ring to kind of uh, call it for Roddy before he gets either hit with the Muscle Buster or be put out with the Coquina Clutch. But we'll have to wait and see on Collision. So, again, that is your AEW Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And with that, I think I am done. So it's time for me to get you guys out of here. I hope you guys have a great Saturday. Please enjoy yourself. Please be careful on the roads. And if you are around people, just know that COVID is coming. COVID is around. COVID is floating. Kids are in school. Please be safe and please just keep yourself with some hand sanitizer around you. And also if a mask, if you happen to uh, not have the greatest immune system in the world. So with that being said, You'll hear from me again on my Sunday episode. If you listen to my Sunday episodes where I talk about news and what happened around the world. And if you don't listen to that, I have a midweek episode called Midweek Breakdown where I talk about any and everything. And next week, again on a Saturday, you'll hear me again on Wrestling Highlights of the Week. So with that being said, all of you all, please be safe and have a great day.